0: everybody welcome back to another lost ladies of lit mini episode
1: today we're gonna have a very lively and maybe a slightly controversial discussion about our favorite or not so favorite books and we're hoping that some of you guys reach out to us and let us know your own thoughts on this subject this idea came to us thanks to one of our listeners named ruth who confessed the following to us on facebook she said i am not a fan of jane austen There. I've said it. I don't care if anyone agrees with me or not. You're welcome.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Them spiting words, as they used to say. Just kidding. We consider this podcast a completely safe place to air out any and all book opinions. So we don't have any judgment, Ruth. Jane's not your jam. And that's A-OK with us.
1: I think we all have our own example of books that the rest of the world seems to love and admire, and yet try as we might for whatever reason, we just don't connect with, you know? What are those books that everyone you know goes wild about, but you either weren't able to finish, or they just made you go, meh, I don't get it. It's not my thing. For example, I'm going to go out on a limb. Maybe this is going to tick people off, but there's a book that I tried reading I want to say I tried reading this book three different times. I gave it a good solid go on three occasions in the last few years. And every single time I could not get more than a fourth of the way through the book. That book was... Elena Ferrante's My (laughs) Brilliant Friend trilogy. And I'm so sorry. I don't even, I'm not even going to apologize because there are so many people that love this book. She or whatever her name is, we don't actually know if that's the author's actual name, She's going to be fine with me saying I didn't love it. She's wildly successful and has made a fortune off of these books, and people love them. And I'm the weirdo here. There's something wrong with me. I fully believe that I couldn't get into these books, but I just couldn't connect with it
0: at all. Okay, Amy, hold on a second. <laughs> That's my book too. No, isn't yes. It? yes. Oh my God, <laughs> literally. Everyone else in the world loves this book, and I want to love it because I'm feel I feel like I'm missing out on a, on an entire uh, like series of books that's supposed to be life changing and wonderful and you know literary, but also guilty pleasure at the same time. Somehow I've tried, and I just never get past the first few chapters.
1: And I'm I'm actually <laughs> surprised to hear you say that because one of the times that I tried to read this book was when I was subletting your house. Okay, so listeners, there was a point in time where my house was being renovated. And I borrowed Kim's house. So I got the treasure trove of her bookshelves for about four months, which was amazing. And I read so many awesome books off your bookshelf. And they're staring at me scornfully shining like it had a halo around it the whole time was my brilliant friend. And I was like, well, Kim obviously loves it. I'm going to give it the old college try one more time. And I sat there on your couch <laughs> and I tried to read it and I just, I couldn't do it. It's, it's an HBO st- series
0: now. I know. Oh, and I now I even don't even, do even do want to watch it because <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I, do. So. Same. I still have the book on my bookshelf, by the way. I haven't managed to get rid of it because I feel like there's something wrong with me and that one day I'll just wake up and like it but I don't think that's going to happen, but good luck to everyone who loves it. And I'm happy for them, but nope. And that's why we're best friends and also podcasters together.
1: That actually, <laughs> are, we have like a mind thing happening there. Yeah. Okay. So now on the flip side of that, is there any classic book that you put off reading or avoided for a long time because you didn't think you'd like it only to eventually discover that you totally love it? Kim,
0: I'll let you go first. Okay. Yes, I do have a book exactly like that, except for it's a modern classic. So I carried around through my mini moves. I've, I've moved a lot for years, Infinite Jest. And then when I first met Eric, who is now my husband, we had similar favorite authors that we both loved. And so the fact that he liked this book made me want to give it another try. And so I had his copy. It actually had his notations in it. And I thought it was fantastic and funny this time around. And we even read it out loud to each other, which sounds really cheesy, but we did. And it was great. And we did a fundraiser bike ride from San Francisco to Los Angeles the next year after this. And we actually called our two-person team the Howling Fantods, which is, if you've read the book, it's an expression used in the book. The thing is, apparently David Foster Wallace was kind of a jerk in real life, but I didn't know that when I read the book. So anyway, how about you, Amy? Do you have a book like that also?
1: Well, I want to say, first of all, about David Foster Wallace being a jerk. That reminds me of Charles Dickens. And do you like an author, even though their personal life is questionable sort of thing? Like, how does that change how you think about them? But that's another episode. I've never read Infinite Jest because it's giant. It's the size of a cinder block, basically. (laughs) And I just cannot. (laughs) Um, But that book for me, which is also pretty ginormous, is the... Lord of the Rings trilogy. I had Mm. never read it. All the movies came out. I did watch the movies and I loved them, but I had never actually read it. I remember as a kid, my brother had a copy of The Hobbit, and I have this memory of sitting in my brother's bedroom and trying to start The Hobbit. And I don't know if you know Tolkien very well but he goes into these genealogies of the characters where it's like gloin son of yoin who descended from the house of yorb and like and it goes on and on and on for like 13 pages of that before a story happens again i was very young and i just was like nope can't do it and i was turned off from tolkien forevermore However, my son was gifted a copy of The Hobbit for his like fifth or sixth birthday. So we read The Hobbit and we loved it so much that I decided we've got to move on. We've got to do the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. We are just about finished with The Two Towers. It is so good. Yes, he still does that like genealogy stuff, and it's ridiculous. And he sometimes is way too descriptive geologically for me. He's always like the river bent north, northeast. But I love the story. And I had so much fun reading the book. And I'm glad I actually got back around to it.
0: I am so glad you found it and loved it. That makes me really, really happy. Because I have a very distinct memory when I was a child. This is So funny, but I actually, my parents' friends had all of the Lord of the Rings books. And every time we would go over to their house, my sister would play with their two daughters who were younger than me, and I would sit on the floor. And I would read the books and I literally read the entire Lord of the Rings series on their living room floor every time we went to their house. I, I don't think I ever had them at my house. Maybe when I reread them later, but the first time it was all on someone else's living room floor. That's how much I loved them.
1: That's so <laughs> you with your nose buried in a book, like baby yeah. Kim nose buried in book from the minute she was born. Yeah. <laughs> and I love, it's such a monumental undertaking that you guys must've gone to their house frequently.
0: Yes, Um, I have any other stories similar, but I won't bore you with them. Yeah, it did did, did take me a while though, but. Okay,
1: so next book-related question. Has there ever been a book that you really didn't like the first time you read it, but then you changed your mind about it? Maybe upon a subsequent reading, you now have a more favorable opinion of it or even complete affection for?
0: Yes, I do. And I'm not sure what other people's take on this is, but the first time I read Romola, I don't know if okay. I'm saying it exactly right, but it's a George Eliot novel. I didn't love it. It's a historical novel. It's set in 15th century in Florence. And I thought that it was going to be more like Middlemarch, I guess. I just expected it to be more like her other books. And because it was a historical novel, it somehow didn't quite, it it didn't take with me. And I read it all the way through, but I just didn't love it. And then later, actually fairly recently, I reread it and I completely loved it. So I don't know if it was just expectations, I think, is what happened. And I just took it on its own. And I already knew at that point that it was going to be a historical novel and kind of what it, since I'd already read it before, I had a feeling for what it was. And I think it allowed me space to actually appreciate it.
1: I read Ramallah as part of my assigned reading in college, Uh, being an English major. I remember reading that one and having the same reaction. It's dry at times Mm -hmm. because of the historic element. However, the professor that taught that book was my all-time favorite professor and maybe even my favorite teacher of all time. Wow, uh, Xavier University, Dr. Ernest Fontana. He was so dramatic. He had so much flair. I mean, he was an incredible English professor. So I think he helped enliven it a bit. But yeah, it's definitely not my favorite George Eliot book by far. It's kind of that like that saying, you never step in the same river twice, you know, mm-hmm. you never read the same book twice because your life experiences and who you are with age
0: change. I love that. That's absolutely true because there are books that we read over and over again. And it's because we get something different from them every time I read a room with a view over and over. And I feel like I notice it's a short novella almost, but I notice different things every time and I get something out of it every time.
1: Yeah. Okay. So my book that I was lukewarm about the first time I read it and then I came to appreciate it is Harry Potter. So I was in my 20s and there was this Harry Potter craze and I felt like I needed to look into it because everybody was talking about this book. Even though it was a children's book, I was like, you know, I'm going to give it a whirl. And I just, I had no interest in it. I don't even think I finished book one. I was just like, I get it. I don't need to go on. But then having kids changed all that. We sat down and made a big production of reading the entire series. And when you read the entire series, first of all, book one is not the best book. It's Mm. just sort of the introduction. It gets better. It gets darker. It gets more involved. There will be Harry Potter in your future, Kim, now that you have a (laughs) child. So just prepare for it. But I will say, I think the difference is that book came out when we were already adults. Mm -hmm. But this was a, it was an event for children. I'll never have the experience of reading it as a child. Right. So I'll never have that kind of magic associated with it. But seeing it through the eyes of my kids gave me a new appreciation for it, I think.
0: I'm excited to read that with Cleo one day. I actually have read, I think, if not all of them, almost all of them. But to me, my thing is the Chronicles of Narnia because I passionately loved those as a child. And so I was always comparing the feeling. But I think that's the thing. It's like when you come to it as a child, it's completely different than coming to it as an adult. And the magic of it is different.
1: Yeah. Since we're on the subject of childhood books, Kim, I don't think we've ever actually discussed this, but I'm curious, what was your sort of gateway novel? And by that, I mean, what was the book that you first read as a young person that sort of ushered you into reading more adult books, even the classics? What was the book that kind of launched you from reading, say, Judy Bloom type books
0: into reading more sophisticated adult novels. Can you remember? Okay. So hmm, that's a great question. As far as Judy Bloom, I read, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret a million times in the sixth grade. I think I had it memorized. But other than that, I really didn't have a Judy Bloom phase or anything like that. I don't even know if I read any of her other books. My mom had a really extensive bookshelf and it had a lot of classics in it and things that she'd read in college. And so after Little Women and Rosenblum, I just kind of kept going with everything on her bookshelf. And then I also distinctly remember the first time I read what really was an adult novel, it was in fourth grade and we were on a flight from Germany to California. And I'm guessing my mom didn't have anything else to give me. And all I wanted to do was read. So the only thing she could do was give me this book. <laughs> but it was a historical romance. It was set among Native Americans and it, before the arrival of the Europeans. And I'm not sure how I ended up with it you know, but I still remember the name. It was called Mesa of Flowers. And it was definitely not classic literature by any means, but it made a huge impression on me. I still remember scenes from it today. And also maybe that's because it was a little steamy for a fourth grader. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but as for classics, one of the first ones I remember reading was Green Dolphin Street by Elizabeth Gouge or Gouge. Do you know it?
1: I've never heard of
0: that. No. I think it might be considered a classic, but maybe it's actually a lost classic. So we might end up putting it on our list at some point. I think it was published in the 1940s. Anyway, it's, well,
1: that's lost what? to me. I mean, I know yeah. Island of the Blue Dolphins, but totally not. different.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. It's totally different. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to look into it a little more now that we're discussing this because it's making me think about it. So, but what was your gateway novel? Well, it's
1: interesting that you mentioned your mom's bookshelf, because I think my mom was instrumental in sort of steering me into these more mature books as well. The story I have to start is, do you remember like the scholastic flyers that would come home from school where you could order books? Yes. Uh, They still have those, by the way. Um, That's great. I remember bringing home the flyer with the books and I wanted to buy some books out of it. And my mom, I mean, my mom didn't really let me buy stuff like that, but she was like, I will buy you some books if you let me choose. And mm. she chose Little Women and she chose Heidi. And those were sort of older books out of the flyer. I mean, everything <laughs> else was kind of like kitty books, you know? The only reason I got them was because she chose Little Women and Heidi and I was probably like in the third grade. And they might have been like slightly abridged versions for younger children, but they were still thick books. And I remember reading them. I I wore them out. I loved them so much. So Little Women, we have that in common, really, which I didn't know that, that that was your book too. But then in eighth grade, my English teacher, his classroom was just a wall of books, maybe two walls of books, floor to ceiling. And he had tests on every single one of those novels, a massive library in his classroom. And so he had this really long list of the books. And it was our job to pick out which books we wanted to read and do the tests on. So I took this list. It was like an eight page list of books. I gave it to my mom. And I was like, I don't know what to read. I don't know anything about any of these. Can you just circle?" The ones that you think I might like if you know any of them. And she circled Wuthering Heights and she circled Jane Eyre. Oh and those my gosh. I read in eighth grade. And I remember, especially with Wuthering Heights, the book that was in Mr. Monning's English class, it was so old that it was just falling apart at the seams. Clearly, nobody ever got this book out. You know, it was like the dusty one that, like, it wasn't the popular book for kids to read. And I showed him because the cover ripped off of it while I was reading it because it was just so (laughs) dilapidated and I felt awful. And I took it up to the teacher and I was like, I'm so sorry, but the cover fell off of this. And he just looked at me and he's like, you keep that book. I can just get a new one. You can keep that version. And I loved it. I was so happy that I got to keep the book. So the Bronte sisters, little women in the Bronte sisters for me.
0: Have you told your mom anything about this recently? Does she know that? No, I she don't had. think so. You should I mean, tell I, she's her.
1: Probably listening now, so she knows. But oh
0: my gosh, I love this! Oh my gosh, this episode is dedicated to Amy's mom, Phyllis. Hi, Phyllis <laughs> and Diane. And Diane, we'll raise mom. a toast to her too. Absolutely, yeah. I love that. So, talking about all the books we read when we were younger, it makes me wonder: Did you ever read *Harriet the Spy* when you were growing up? Not
1: when I was young, no. In fact, I just read it for the first time a few weeks ago in
0: order to prepare for our next special guests. That's right, everyone. Next week, we've got two more guest experts coming our way. We're going to be talking with literary agent Laura Mazur and biographer Leslie Brody about the fascinating life of Harriet the Spy author Louise Fitzhugh.
1: What most people don't realize is that Louise Fitzhugh was quite the renegade, and we're looking forward to chatting with Laura and Leslie next week about her unexpected life story. So that's all for today. And listeners, we'd love to hear your feedback on our questions from today's episode. So hit us up by email or on social media to tell us what your gateway novels were and which books you've never quite managed to gel with despite your best efforts to enjoy them.
0: I can't wait to hear some of your responses. So for a full transcript of this episode, check out our show notes and don't forget to subscribe. So you don't miss a single episode.
1: Do you have ideas for long forgotten women authors? You'd love to see us revisit on our show. Let us know for more information on this episode, as well as further reading material, check out our website, lostladiesoflit.com. And if you loved this episode, be sure to leave a review. It really makes a
0: difference. Our theme song was written and performed by Jenny Malone, and our logo was designed by Harriet Grant. Lost Ladies of Lit is produced by Kim Askew and Amy Helms.